Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I'm Jason, a guy who struggles to stop after I start. (laughs) And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And today we're talking about Tradition 3. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using. So we're going to explore that and how it works in the fellowship that we, you know, go to. We're going to explore if there's any connection of that to the real world, which it's a struggle to connect Mm. those. Um, but before that, uh, definitely an allergy warning. This show is processed in a facility where other shows are processed and definitely contains nuts. <laughs> so, tradition three, going back to that. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using. What does that mean? That means if you want to be a member of the particular 12-step fellowship that I go to, and I'm assuming this works the same in all the 12-step fellowships with their tradition three, if they have the same, Nobody can tell you you can't come. Like, as long as you, I guess, as long as you have a desire, which is an unmeasurable internal quality, nobody can tell you you can't come. And I think this actually uh, feeds in a lot to the whole Suboxone debate, this tradition specifically, because I think this is the reasoning people in our fellowship have for saying that people in Suboxone shouldn't be there. Because they're saying people in Suboxone are not clean by NA's definition of clean and don't have a desire to be because they want to stay on Suboxone. And so that, I guess their idea of that is, well, then you don't belong here. You don't have a desire to stay clean, which people in Suboxone would say, I am already clean, so I do have a desire. So that's interesting. Well, not only that, uh, I mean, as I understood it, like you could say that anyone that's willing to go to a meeting has some type of desire to be clean in some form or fashion, you know, what that is or what that means might need to clear up some of them details a little later, but, (laughs) but at least I mean, I don't know about you, but in my free time, I'm not actively looking for random groups to go join (laughs) or showing up at, at meetings of random things like, huh, I don't know, maybe I'll go to some moose lodge meeting just for fun (laughs) yeah no and and so reading some of this text from this tradition i was kind of like so normally i would sit here and i'll say oh suboxone people the answer is they just need another fellowship like that makes total sense for everybody but reading this tradition i was like maybe us na jerks need to change our minds (laughs) because maybe we do need to welcome people a little more Well, and it's interesting because I applied some of that same logic, the way that it tells us to treat addicts that come to our fellowship. Like, why don't we treat using addicts outside of NA the same way? Mm. Why, you know, we can only give them this respect and dignity. And if they come to NA meetings, they can even be using and we'll still love and treat them, you know, like they're special. But if you're out on the street and you haven't walked into an NA meeting, then you're a using piece of shit. You know. Do we do that? Do we not have compassion for the addict on the street? Uh, well, I if so, I'm basing that on what I 
at least feel like most people's approach to harm reduction methods and what most people feel about people that are on maintenance mm. or will say about people that are on maintenance or say about harm reduction programs. Right. So that's a generalization of people in recovery. I got gotcha. you. So let's start with one of the quotes I got. Uh, it says, an addict who does not want to stop using will not stop using. They can be analyzed, counseled, reasoned with, prayed over, threatened, beaten, or locked up, but they will not stop until they want to stop. I don't think I like this quote. Yeah. <laughs> I read it and I was yeah. like, is that true? Do we know that? Like, I think people... What about the guy who stops unwillingly and then decides to stay stopped because he, you know, some of his senses come back? Yeah, or people that just don't understand that, you know, at least from my understanding of addiction and what I've learned through our fellowship that, like, I can't use any drugs successfully. So, you know, there might be a guy that says, hey, I really need to get off the fucking heroin. It's terrible for me. But I can go drink at the bar. Then he goes drinks at the bar and fucking finds itself using again because once you start drinking your senses go out the window and you start making bad choices you know so he may have a desire to stop using maybe not a desire to be 100 percent completely abstinent from all drugs Mm. you know and that doesn't mean he doesn't want to stop using anyway i mean i got clean because they locked me up and i physically did not have access to drugs for a time so does that mean i didn't choose that so i might go back to getting high one day like i yeah and i didn't even really want to stop using to be (laughs) honest i wanted to use i just didn't want the consequences it's like you know when you go on a diet and don't eat cake every day like it doesn't mean you don't fucking want some cake (laughs) you know like i still wanted to get Uh, high i just didn't want you know to go to jail anymore and to keep being a piece of shit and you know there is currently some iced sugar cookies and some little <laughs> cherry strudel thingies in my house that I definitely want. So I get it. Right. Yeah. So, and and I, no, that's not true. I ate a cookie last night. So I guess maybe this statement is true, but whatever. When we write our own literature, Billy, this one's coming out because <laughs> yeah. I don't agree with it. I don't, I don't know that I disagree with it, but I don't think we can actually prove it. And so what's the point of saying it? So the next quote I had well, was, oh, go and not to cut you off no. there, but I mean, uh, one of the things I took out of the It Works How and Why says the desire to stop using may be no more than a subtle yearning for relief from pain. So that almost directly contradicts that. <laughs> like, yeah. like maybe you just want to stop hurting, you know? Yeah, I just really, I don't understand the hmm. point of this statement. Just uh, people won't stop unless they want to. This sounds like what people use to justify. Oh, he went back out because he didn't want it bad enough. Like, yeah. Okay, great. I what does that fix? <laughs> I I guess the intention there is to say that we can't, and there's a better way to say it, though. Like, we can't moralize or rationalize somebody into using. Like, mm. no amount of us trying to sit someone down and lecture them about how terrible they are or what, you know, bad choices they're making or any of that is, is going to motivate. Well, I can't say it's not going to motivate somebody. It's not going to be the deciding factor that keeps them clean, maybe. Right. You know, I mean, that it even says locked up in here. I was locked up and it made me stop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I stopped when I was locked up. <laughs> I mean, definitely for a period <laughs> yeah, and then right. ultimately forever. Right. I guess. I hope. I don't know. Anyway, 
This tradition is to ensure that any addict, regardless of drugs used, race, religious beliefs, sex, sexual preference, or financial condition, is free to practice the NA way of life, with, quote, a desire to stop using, quote, as the only requirement for membership, one addict is never superior to another. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. I think that was a, a good explanation. So it tells us right there what the tradition's purpose is, to make us all on the same equal level playing field. We don't discriminate. Everybody's allowed to practice this way of life. And this, I got to be honest, and I know that not everybody agrees with this, and I'm not saying this is the right way to live or the right direction for our country, but this is the way I wish America worked. Right. Like, if you want this way of life, just come here and say you want this way of life and be a member. Don't have this ridiculous years long process of lottery or however the hell you get citizenship. Like just you want to be here? Cool. Sign up, pay your taxes, contribute to society, be here. I just I wish that it worked like that. Like we didn't say, Oh no, you're from this other imaginary place that was made up, you can't be here or oh you did this, you can't be here. Or, oh, you have a criminal background. You can't work here. Or, like I just wish we were more open about it. Yeah. And I guess for NA I mean, for you, like, what does it does it mean anything to say you're a member? Like, does that have any sort of meaning or response? Like, so certain clubs that you join, if you say, oh, I'm a member of this club, you have to pay dues or mm. you have to show up so often or you have some level of responsibility in order to maintain being a part of that group. And I guess in this tradition... I'm answering my own question because it says, no, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using. So That's you can be a member and you don't have to do anything but have a desire to stop using. And, and I disagree. you are as equal a member as anyone else. I disagree, though. Yeah. I don't think that. I think if I say I'm a member and I don't, I don't go to a meeting for three years and I tell somebody I'm an NA member, I'm full of shit. Yeah. My personal opinion. Right. Not that I think the meetings are the program or any of that good stuff, but yeah, if I'm not participating in the fellowship, I guess to me that kind of signifies that I'm not really a member. I'm not really doing it. I don't know. That's really yeah. weird. So I have not met anybody who doesn't go to meetings for years and yet still works steps with a sponsor and maintains contact. You know what I mean? Like It's not like Oh, they stopped going to the fellowship, but they still work the program. Like, I've never run into that because so, that, I guess, would be a little weirder. Yeah. And I wasn't thinking as much of that person. I was thinking more of the person that, like, comes in and hits a meeting, you know, maybe once a week, maybe once every couple of weeks, doesn't really have a sponsor, doesn't really work steps, isn't involved in any level of service or a home group or anything else, but then. You know, they're like, yeah, I'm a member and I have lots of opinions about what we need mm. to be doing and how we need to be doing it and why this is wrong or that's wrong or, you know, and mm. that, oh, this program doesn't work and those <laughs> kinds of things because it's like, well, what are you, what are you doing? You know, when you say you're a member, what what does that mean? I mean, to me, that means something like I have, if I'm going to say I'm a member, I also have some responsibility, you know, to maintaining my membership. I think it's really interesting that we're like a twofold program. We have a program and then we have a fellowship. Right. And they're like two separate things. But what are we saying we're a member of? 
Are we saying we're a member of the program? Or are we well, saying we're a member of the fellowship? I've never thought about it that way, but I think you're right. And that is a helpful way to look at it because I was just talking and I want to possibly do a podcast topic about that. Like what is, I hear lots of people all the time say, yeah, I'm working the program and life is great, but they don't have a sponsor or at least one that they actively use and they're not working steps and they've even almost openly said that as much mm. and it's like well if you're not doing that then what the fuck program are you <laughs> like i for me it's always comes back to like the how part of the program how it works is the steps like that's what we read that's every reading. fucking meeting right. <laughs> so if you're not doing that then to me you're not really working a program if but, you want what we have to offer then you are willing there to are take lots certain of people steps. that would disagree with me and tell me that i am not right <laughs> So I actually think we are saying we are members of the fellowship. Okay. That's what I believe. I think when we say we're a member, we're a member when you say you are, you're a member of the NA fellowship. Hmm, that to makes work sense. work in NA program, you don't have to like, you don't say I'm a member of, a, of the NA program. You just work the NA program. The right. NA program is the 12 steps that you work with a sponsor. So I think we're just saying we're members of the fellowship. Yeah. So I'll go to my, I love my gym analogy for this shit all the time. So- Saying any, you know, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using is like me saying I can go join Planet Fitness and pay my 10 bucks a month. You're a member. And I'm a member. And as long as I pay my 10 bucks every month, I'm a member. doesn't right. matter if I walk in the door and pick up any weights or yeah. walk on a treadmill. Or It'll never get better. Doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I can do that. And I'm a member of Planet Fitness you and can. I can run around and say, hey, I'm a member. of." <laughs> and at the end of a year, you can say, I've been a gym member for a year. The gym doesn't work. Right. There it is. So you're a member yeah. of the fellowship, but you probably should have no opinion on whether the program works <laughs> right. because the program is something different. That's good. That's, yeah, that's interesting. I like that. So the next quote I had was, any addict who has a desire to stop using can, can become a member of NA. Any addict who has a desire to stop using can become a member of NA. Well, and that I think is beautiful. Like, that's what I think we should be. Like, anybody's welcome here no matter what. If you, you know, are an addict struggling with drugs, you know, you can come here and find recovery. Doesn't matter what drug, doesn't matter how much, doesn't matter, you know, where yeah. you come from. I just feel like people are using this tradition specifically. Like when we decide who has the desire for membership, I think like this is where the Suboxone issue comes into play. And I think they're using this tradition wrong. Yes. Like, like you too. said, like Suboxone, uh, okay, so they believe they're already clean and don't have a desire to get off Suboxone. Why can't we just encourage them to be there anyway? Like, right. Do they have more chance of hearing something that makes them want to get off Suboxone one day in the meetings or somewhere else? Yeah. Right? Like, I just feel like we're discouraging. I, I'm not, I don't know. It's really tricky. But it, it, I do feel like it's discouraging. I mean, in the It Works How and Why, there was a specific line that says, still using addicts are welcome into our meetings with a spent special emphasis to keep coming back. And see, I think people read that and say, that's the still using addict that knows they're still using. It's not the problem that people on Suboxone are on Suboxone. I don't think that's the issue at all. I don't think people give a shit that they're on Suboxone. I think people care because people on Suboxone are saying they're clean. That's where the, the heads butt. It's like, well, you don't have a desire to get clean then if you think you already are and you're still using. If somebody came in on heroin and was like, no, nah, I'm clean. 
right? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, what do you think is going to happen with medical cannabis over the next couple of years? Are we going to have people coming to NA on medical? Like, I have a, my medical card, and I can I hope it gets prescribed to me. That's what I hope happens. <laughs> right. I'm just waiting for the doctor to be like, dude, you really need right. to be on edibles. <laughs> yeah. So, dude, you got uh, you got this problem inside you. I just did a blood test, and cannabis is really the only answer <laughs> right. for you. I'm like, fuck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. I've won the lottery. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's another quote somewhere in here that does this suboxone one even deeper. So we'll just keep moving. I okay. Guess. Uh, the next one I had was the choice of membership rests with the individual. We feel that the ideal state for our fellowship exists when addicts can come freely and openly to an NA meeting whenever and wherever they choose and leave just as freely. But we know that only those who have a desire to stop using and want what we have to offer will join us in our way of life. Uh, yeah, whatever. I, I, I guess, I don't know, I, that does address the Suboxone thing a little bit. Like, okay, they're not going to join us in our way of life. If that's our belief, right, they're not going to join us in our way of life because they don't have a desire. Because that's what the last part says. But all the part before that says, hey, they're still welcome to come freely and openly whenever and wherever they choose and leave just as freely. I just, I feel like that kind of spells it out a little bit. Like, okay, if they don't have a desire, they'll never join what we're doing. It, it's so weird. Yeah, and maybe people are more secretive about it than I'm aware, but I don't see a ton of people, like, on maintenance programs running into Narcotics Anonymous and expecting us to, to change. In Cecil County. Yeah. Go anywhere near Baltimore. It's and they are. You got whole recovery houses. You got meeting a hundred people in the meeting. Sixty five of them are from recovery houses and are on Suboxone. But do they want the fellowship to change in some way or the meetings and everything? Hmm. And I know we. I've I've heard that in other places, and I know we had a bit of an issue in this area. There was some controversy over whether a meeting should be. We had a meeting in a methadone clinic, mm. you know. I mean, they paid rent and stuff. It right. was a self-supporting meeting. But the the methadone clinic wanted NA meetings there or wanted support meetings there. Mm. And had we had started an NA meeting in there. And that was pretty controversial. There was a lot of people that were pissed off about that. I don't get it. Yeah. I I, I mean, on face value... When it first happened, I was like, oh, that's totally wrong. How the fuck are you going to do all that? And then, of course, once you think a little bit through some of this stuff or put some heartfelt thought into it, you know, if I think as will, if you're willing to address some of the possible controversies around it, you know, it's not so we bad. We have meetings in church basements, and I don't endorse Christianity any more than I endorse methadone. What the fuck's the difference? The only difference, I believe, in that case was that the methadone service was sort of encouraging or telling their people to go to the na meeting which in and of itself isn't bad that's good yeah right that's that's good but then when you have like you said a lot of people coming in that are on a maintenance program at this facility you can't then have the meeting turn around and go well you're not really clean you know like you could really offend some people or confuse them or mm. piss them off about that. And and I think you could do it. There's subtle, easy way. Like I said, and this is just my fucking two cents, whatever. But at the time I said, if I was a member of that home group, I probably wouldn't even do key tags. Mm. Probably wouldn't even bring up clean right. time because 
why like the, uh, yeah. the message is still important you know what i mean the message is that any addict can stop using and find a new way of life and maybe some of these people could come in and decide like hey abstinence is a good thing for me or or maybe it's not because i don't want to get it confused narcotics anonymous to everything that i understand is about abstinence space recovery you know and that's what we're about. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong or the best way or any of that shit. I'm just saying that's what we do in yeah. NA. It's abstinence-based recovery from drug addiction. And so, you know, that's what we, uh, that's what I'm going to encourage and push. I don't think there's anything wrong with anyone that wants to be on maintenance forever. That's fine. That's their choice. But I'm not going to encourage that as an NA member for someone coming into NA. I would encourage them to find somewhere else. Right. <laughs> like, this isn't funny if you haven't been to a billion meetings, but I'm just picturing a meeting uh, and the secretary reading, we do not celebrate clean time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guess it's not worth celebrating. Let's start a methadone clinic where we give an extra take home if they hit like their quota of meetings for the week. <laughs> right. Like, look, we'll give you a little bonus meth if you, uh, if you hit four meetings a week. Well, and I'm so arrogant. Like, this is just my <laughs> arrogance of thinking my way is the best subtly even to myself i'm mm -hmm. like i, I want to say this and i'm like god that's fucking such a bad way to say it but the truth is i think oh maybe these methadone people will come to abstinence and then they'll realize that's really what they need to be doing well, yeah like, living on maintenance is no way to live and that is such a judgmental thing to say that's why we got to get them to four meetings a week by giving them an <laughs> right. extra take home <laughs> right they'll come look at all of us and how great we are right. and then you oh, know god Maybe they'll come. Some of us. I was going to say, they might come to some meetings and go, these people are fucked. Right. They need methadone. <laughs> Fuck's wrong with them. Sleeping with each other, stealing from their jobs. Oh, my fist God. Fist fighting out in the parking lot. <laughs> and I don't want to say this, but I got to say it now that you're talking about how fucked up we are. I see this, this picture of a girl on Facebook yesterday, and she's in a sports bra and, you know, some cleavage and whatever. And look, it's attractive, right? Women are attractive. Men are attracted to women. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I knew... I saw, the, I saw the number of comments, and I said, I know the fucking 13th-stepping perverted old <laughs> white dudes from the Baltimore area who are going to be on here. Yeah. And I was like, I got to look. And I looked, and sure enough, there was public enemy number one and two. And I'm like, I yep. want to fucking call these dudes out so nice. bad. Nice. Fire. Right. <laughs> you know? What the fuck do you Looking think? Good. You think she's going to want to come <laughs> yeah. play with your old balls? Like, dude, get over it. Do you know <sighs> that it's possible to like this picture? A, you could just like it. B, you can appreciate the picture. You can even go home in the privacy of your own home and fucking masturbate to this picture. And you don't have to comment and look like a desperate ass. So I'm now 47. So I've gotten to the point where I'm like, oh, there's certain pictures that I can't even like, even if I want to, because I don't want to come <laughs> off as the right. creepy perv guy, you know? Right. And these dudes are like uh, mid to upper 50s. Yeah. And I'm just like, you fucking. Like, nope, I'm to the age I got to scroll on by. You and know? I'm, I try not to be judgmental, but I want to call them out so bad. Like, when are you going to fucking grow up? Right. right like you can I, i'm not even saying that that liking boobies is wrong liking <laughs> boobies is great it's fine right just don't be like why be so desperate and openly ridiculous right. about it i don't know anyway all right off my pedestal for a second <laughs> so yeah i one thing i really liked about this completely separate from the suboxone world we feel that the ideal state of our fellowship exists when addicts can come freely and openly to an NA meeting whenever and wherever they choose and leave just as freely. And I was like, could that apply to our country? Hmm. 
could we just be members whenever we decided we were really digging it and then just not when we didn't? Like, would that require just getting rid of the country? Like, could we have to get rid of all countries in the world to do that? Because I don't know. I just, why would you want people here that don't like the direction it's going and don't want to be here anymore? Like, it takes a lot of money. So I, not going to lie, I've considered it. I'm like, all right, there's a large portion of America that doesn't really dig the way I want to live. I want to live somewhere that's pretty progressive and forward thinking and trying new modern stuff. I don't want to be stuck conservative personally. What if I moved to New Zealand or something where they have like very progressive views, you know, even Canada, it it costs a lot of fucking money to move to relocate and shit, right? It's not easy. And so I was just, I wouldn't, even the people who don't think like me, wouldn't they be happier if the country was headed that direction? If people that thought like me could easily just not be a part of it and they could just be happy doing it their own way and all unified in it. Like, wouldn't that be better for everybody? Why are we stuck in it? Well, that, I mean, because I, I think of that, that stuff a lot, and should we even have borders, and does any of that mm-hmm. matter and stuff? And there's a few things, at least it crossed my mind right away. One is security and safety. You'd have, a, you know, people that were criminals or maybe on the run or, you know, whatever, dangerous people that could just come in, you know, that might be a possible downside. Um, the other thing is, as a citizen in the country you do we have some investment most of us as tax-paying citizens like we are investing into this way of life that we have and if people are coming in illegally and not investing into that system should they have access to the same rights and that i'm not saying i think they should or shouldn't i'm just saying that's a that's a debate where it's like we've worked really hard to build this great thing is it okay for other people to just come in and reap the benefits of what we've been a part of building over the last few years? And well, I, I mean, yeah. I personally think, yeah, there's plenty, you know what I mean? Like there's enough that it doesn't matter, but there's a large percentage of people that feel like there's not enough. And that if you just allow all anyone to come in all the time, it'll drive down wages. It'll have a negative impact on our communities. It'll drive down, you know, the, It'll overburden the system as far as schools and, you know, different services. So and here you so- go. We're going to fix all that right now, right? <laughs> here we go. This is how you do it. Give everybody on earth what they need to start, right? Whether so- you call that a standard living wage, whatever it is, like just for being alive here, here's what you need to have a house. You don't have to stress money ever. If you want to work to have more stuff, hey, feel free. That's, that's your right. But we're going to give you what you need to just breathe and eat and get by, right? You've now eliminated... Oh, we're also going to legalize drugs uh, and give them out for free. Uh, You've now eliminated 95% of all crime. So will there be criminals coming across borders? Sure. I mean, there's always going to be some people that for whatever reason, mental health, whatever, they commit crime and harm people. But for the most part, like the criminal activity we see on a grand scale, 95% of that wiped out immediately because everybody already has what they need. And free access to drugs if they want. Bam. That's done, right? Then you got to, and the conspiracy people will never go for this, <sighs> microchip everybody. All your money's on it. As soon as you walk in the country, you instantly are paying taxes straight out of the microchip to the world fund. Oh, I think there's other ways to fix it. I don't want a microchip. Just saying. I'm I, not a conspiracy either, guy. But, I don't want a microchip. But, <laughs> but it would be so much easier. But 
Irish scan, something. And not to go off the rails on politics, but somebody that I love and respect a lot says a lot of times, I'm not going to put them out there because whatever, but has said that, (laughs) that if we just allow everyone in all the time, none of these other countries that are a fucking disaster will be forced to fix their broken systems. Like, you know, our country, we could use our political might and our political will to influence them to do better. If we just open our borders and let everyone from all these South American countries in, then what motivation is there for the South American countries to get any better? Haven't we been trying to influence them to do better for the last 80 years and it hasn't worked? Sounds a lot like the war on drugs. Well, all that's where I, we've our idea and... of better is, is the problem. So like in, and again, this gets off in the political realm, but our idea of better has been the war on drugs, which is actually fueled and motivated all the South American drug cartels. So if we eliminated the war on drugs and that's policy that the U.S. enforces on other countries around the world, for example, they go to all these countries and say, oh, look, we give you these aid packages each year. Part of that includes you need to be strict on drugs. You need to make all these drugs illegal or we're not giving you this money. And I think the opposite. If you let anybody go anywhere and you give out free drugs. and Yeah, obviously, we, we solved the war on drugs. So that's a good start, right? We've already fixed that. We've solved it. Everybody's <laughs> just getting whatever they want. You do it in a warehouse somewhere. Cool. So now everybody comes here. Because this is where the opportunity is and they're treated right and they have this living wage and all that. Other countries run out of fucking people. And they're going right. to have to change to attract people to come back. So we don't have to exert any pressure. And then when they get good enough, people will want to go back. Without people, you don't have money. So they would be empty countries and then they would have to do something different. Yeah. That would be forcing them to do something different. And again, the only, I mean, I see as a downside is if we opened and took in, let's say, 2 million people in the next year, and let's say 10% of those are, you know, whatever, mentally challenged, incapable of working, lazy, no good, you know, whatever you're talking about. What's that, 20,000 more people in a system that are going to be taxing resources? I mean, I guess it depends on if you believe that we have unlimited resources. We do. The way I think economy works anyway, and and there's people that would disagree with this, but the way I think it works is if you bring in all these more people, you're going to need more goods and services. So you will then ramp up production in goods and services, which will put money into the economy because all those people need food and clothing and shelter and housing and, you know, all these things that will contribute back to the economy. Well, and in my grand plan, I I know we're off in a realm outside of NA right now or outside of, you know, spiritual foundations, but in my grand plan, it's not more tax money from you and me that's paying for this. We're already barely scraping by. We're talking taking money from these corporations that give out the billion dollar bonuses to their CEO every year and all those people who have billions and billions of dollars. That's where this money's coming from. They should never have that much money to begin with. There's no fucking point, right? right? That just, there's nothing to that. Like, take their goddamn money, disperse it out amongst the rest of the people. They can still have more money than us. Just make it a little closer so that we're all a little happier and nicer. Make the poor comfortable. (laughs) All right. (laughs) 
This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Moving on so we can get away from that. This one I really, really like. We are free. I love that it says we're free. It says it in such a nice fucking way. It's so smart ass too. It sounds like something I'd say. Mm-hmm. We are free to offer welcome instead of judgment. <laughs> we look for ways to help instead of judge. Our task is to fan the flame of desire, not dampen it. All you fucks that are judging suboxing people. This one really stood yeah. out to me as like, <sighs> I don't know the answers, but this one really like man, maybe we don't need to like have a different fellowship for suboxone people. Maybe NA needs to fucking change. Yeah, and I found a similar, you know, saying. It says, the third tradition frees us from having to make judgments about prospective members. <laughs> so, and it's that word free that we throw in there. Right. You know. Right. So we're free to, to offer welcome instead of judgment to all, right? And we look for ways to help instead of judge. So instead of saying... You fucking suboxing people ain't clean. Stop trying to celebrate your clean time. Like, what can I do to assist these people? Can I just keep being a good dude? What about me judging them is going to ever think, man, I can't wait to be one of those nice people that are completely off of substances. (laughs) If that's what you believe is the right way, I'm not saying it is or isn't. But if you believe that not taking suboxone one day is ultimately the goal, what about you being a judgmental fuck is going to attract them to want to do that? Right. Yeah, I agree. Not a thing. But I personally believe that's the same problem going on on the internet with a lot of this political conversation stuff, too. Mm. It's all the nastiness back and forth and calling people sheeple and, you know, like all that. You know, all the Mm. subtle insults and derogatory, how stupid people, you know, on either side. It happens on either side. It's like one side tells the other side how racist and angry and self-centered they are and the other side tells the other ones how stupid and wasteful and uh what's that word idealistic they are and it's a lot of name calling and a lot of finger pointing and i'm much more guilty in my brain than i am openly with people but i i do it's tough man racism hurts my feelings when it's not seen right and i feel like it goes so unseen so that one really hits close to home for me but yeah i do I judge, and it's hard for me to. I don't. Well, I, following this, yeah. like you're saying, I want to be the guy that's just like, "Hey, man, I'm doing the best I can. I I don't believe in your methods. I believe in these methods over here. But I hope that the way I carry myself is respectful of you 
and shows you that like it's not about hating you for having a different opinion. I, I try. Right. Not totally great at it. <laughs> and this is where some of these traditions, how some of these principles carry over into my regular life. You know, mm. if I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but how some of these traditions carry over into my regular life is like I learn in NA. All right. Everybody's coming in is welcome here. I got to just, you know, welcome them, give them a hug, tell them, hey, come on in. Whether I think they're clean or not, whether I do all that, I learned to do that in here because that's what we're about. We've set a rule that says this is a fucking rule. I'm a good rule follower. So, yeah, right. Welcome. Come in. Keep doing this. As I learn to practice it in here, then I can take that outside of here and apply that into my life. I learn to look at people and, you know, at work, let's say, if I'm working with someone and they make a mistake, it's easy to jump to this place where I'm like, well, they're just stupid. They're just lazy. They don't care, you know, about their job. And that's why they do this. And then my reaction to them is sort of uh, angry and mm. maybe short and, you know, maybe a little sarcastic when I reply to their mistakes. Right. If I approach them from an attitude of, hey, everyone wants to do a good job at their job. Maybe that's idealistic, but if I just assume that everyone wants to do a good job, everyone wants to be a good employee, everyone wants to be, you know, judged by wanting to do the right thing, and they make a mistake, then my approach to them will be a little different. You know, my approach can be, hey, I see you did this. This wasn't exactly the way we want to handle this. A better way to do this, you know, and, and my approach is better when I'm not assuming the worst. Mm, yeah, I got that problem in my family. Yeah, and I try to do that now with a lot of this political conversation. It gets me in trouble with both. Like, I'll talk to my wife, and I'll sort of, I don't want to say defend. Well, I will. I'll defend conservative ideas to her, not necessarily because I believe them 100%, but it helps me to understand, like, where they're coming from, what that point of view is. Even if I don't agree with it, I can say, all right, well, this is what they think or this is their fear or this is what they believe. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to place a judgment on that. I can just say, this is what they believe. I don't believe that. I don't think they're right. But I don't have to think that they're stupid, racist, you know, self-centered, whatever. And maybe they are, but it doesn't, typically, it doesn't hurt me to assume they're not. <laughs> I remember one time I had a, a really weird situation with three friends. There was a f couple and then another dude and then the dude and the girl from the couple ended up like kind of hooking up and the other guy felt like he was he got left mm. and he was the ex and it was just a really weird funky situation. Uh, and there was a, a, a girlfriend from the other dude too that yeah. I was friends with all four of them and I tried to remain like an impartial neutral middle ground. And in the long run, and it's funny, my father said this, he's like, that never works. You're going to end up being hated by all of them. And that's exactly what happened. They were huh. all fucking mad at me in the long run, even though I didn't actively do anything negative to any of them, but I ended up being the bad guy to all of them. And it was weird. And so I almost feel like that's what you're going through. Like when you try to toe that line, you end up kind of getting disdain from everybody. Eh, maybe. Yeah. It's funny, I had a situation like that, and it's the other way around. I'm sort of still kind of friends with all the people. <laughs> uh, weird. Yeah, it is very weird. Uh, so this next one, Tradition 3 spells freedom for the members of NA. It sets the sole requirement for membership in the heart of each individual member. We don't have to decide for anyone else. We don't have to expend time and energy on deciding who should stay or who we should help. 
Instead, we are free to extend loving assistance to anyone who walks into a meeting desiring freedom from addiction. I love how it keeps saying we're free, freedom. right? Freedom, yeah. It sounds like a jerky comment, but I think it's it's real, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to take the mental energy when I'm sponsoring three guys and one of them's really hardcore step-working dude. And I'm like, yeah, when he calls, I'm definitely going to take that call. I'm definitely going to make sure I go out of my way to help him because he's putting in all that work, right? I don't have to question it when the guy who doesn't seem like he does shit calls. Like, I'm free to just, okay, what do you need? I need to put in as much work for you as I would the other guy, personally. That's ideal. I can't say I always do. Sometimes I'm definitely like, this motherfucker don't even do nothing for himself. Won't pick up a step. (laughs) Now he wants me to come save him in a jackpot. But like, well. I would for somebody else. Right. I've questioned that a lot of times about like when a newcomer girl would ask me for a ride to a meeting or something. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'll go out of my way to pick her up. But like, <laughs> I always think I'm like, would I do that for a dude or would I do that for this person? Or, and then when that person asks, I'm like, before I say yes or no, I'm like, well, would I do this if it was somebody else that I liked a lot more? <laughs> and Generally, that helps me do the right thing. I can't say I always had the right reasoning behind it, but I usually do the right thing and, and give the right people rides. Or Yeah, and I don't know that we pay enough attention to how much energy it takes being trapped in like a self-centered mind. So mm. what I mean by that is, you know, they keep throwing this word freedom out there because the energy that it takes to like run all these scenarios and make all these predictions and decide whose intentions are what and all that is a whole bunch of according i mean for me according to this way of looking at it's like wasted energy it's like you said with the sponsee like i i i just pick up the phone if i can or i don't if i can't and that's all the thought that needs to go into right. it. If I am wasting a bunch of other energy, like looking at the number and then, oh, this fucker, you know, and that. And then there's all these wheels turning and this energy going it's and the these Julia thoughts Roberts making. Yeah, you know, with all the like, math symbols right. and stuff. Yeah. And it's the same for judging, you know, inside the fellowship, but it's outside the fellowship as well. If I walk up to someone, we start a conversation and they say something about gun rights and then immediately my head goes, this conservative fucker, and now he, you know, believes abortion should be illegal, and he believes right. that Trump's the greatest person that ever. And now I've wasted a bunch of energy making a bunch of judgments and predictions about how conversations are going to. I mean, this is the way my insane brain works. Maybe normal people's brain doesn't work this way, Not. but mine goes right into that self-centered mode of like making predictions and I know what you think and I know how you feel and I know who you are. And then I'm making my judgments about how I interact with you based on that. And we've lost all freedom to have an authentic, loving and caring interaction because my head has always, you know, already created scenarios. Right. Right. Yeah, it is. It is free. And it's nice to not, it's nice that it spells it right out right here. I don't have to waste the time trying to figure any of that shit out like you said if they ask for help if they show up that's it that's the only thing we've asked them to do show up and ask for help bang okay cool i'll help and in these things like you said for me the the way it works very similar to what you said it's just being aware that that's the way that i think and that's the way that i operate and then i can make a better decision you know, it doesn't necessarily change my thinking. My thinking no. is still that when the yeah. guy that doesn't ever call me all of a sudden calls, I'm like, uh, you know, that thought is there. Like, oh, yeah. you know, and 
what I learned, though, is to be like, that's right. I have principles and values in my life today that tell me to knock this shit off and answer the call if I can answer it. And that was a big part of my social work college education is the fact of like, look, this isn't a question of do you have implicit bias? We know you do. Right. The point is recognize that you do know where it is and what those biases are. And then you're able to not act in them. Right. You, pretty much everybody in the world, uh, my belief at least, has racist thoughts. Right. Like it's acknowledging the fact that, yeah, I, I get it. There's racism. I have some of it. I've picked some up from society. I've picked some up from my parents, whatever. OK, now what do I do with it? Right. And and it's just knowing it's there makes it so much easier to combat. It's the whole living in denial of it or or unaware of it or, you know, where it's subconscious, where I can't do anything to battle it then. But, yeah, knowing it and that's that's everything. It doesn't have to just be race. It it could be, you know, if I'm if I'm a person who believes strongly in a God and I get a client that comes in that has no belief in God, well, that immediately hinders things for me right like I, now i gotta interact with them in a different way if i'm not aware of the fact that like that has nothing to do with what i'm doing here to help you like i just need to get more creative because i personally like to rely on god a lot in therapy but right. if that's not going to work for you we need to come up with some other stuff right do you have any more quotes about that that i didn't bring up um no that was pretty much all the quotes i had as well Okay, so one final thought I had about this tradition in our meetings more specifically than outside. I've heard a lot of meetings, and I've championed this and voted for it in group conscience, that say that if you've used today, you can't share. Or Mm. we ask that you not share, right? And, you know, at my old home group, and I thought this was beautiful, we said, hey, if you've used today, including members on maintenance, we're glad you're here thank you. Like, please we keep coming back. We think you're in the right place, but we do ask that you not share during the meeting so as not to confuse the NA message and pull us up after the meeting and talk to us. Right. And I've always believed that was fine. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't want to confuse our message. <laughs> and I kind of had this consideration during reading all this tradition. Why? I feel like it's the same people and, and I'm pointing fingers at me right now. The same people that believe that God has a way to work in spite of anything that anybody's choosing. So like the message can come through clearly and not confused no matter what the fuck I do. But now I want to put limitations on who can share in a meeting because they might confuse the newcomer who hears the wrong message. Do do I not believe that God's strong enough to make sure that doesn't happen or what? Right. Or it's completely okay for someone to share that says, I don't have a sponsor. I don't work steps. I don't do any service. I go to one meeting a month and my life is great and recovery is good. That message is completely fine in an NA meeting, but, you know. Right, right. I've heard some absolute nonsense out right. of clean Crazy people. people. Like, right. You know, all kinds of stuff. Right. But now I want to limit who can talk, which probably makes them feel not welcome. Whether we're welcoming them in that opening statement or not, it probably makes them feel not welcome. Oh, oh I'm a member, but I'm not an equal member because now I can't fucking talk. And that's what I took away from reading this. Same as you. Like, I never really... I. I probably never thought much about that i i know meetings that say that if you use we ask you not to share and, and i've i mean i've heard that a bunch of times and right. I, we don't say it at our home group and i don't know that we have ever i i never really thought much about it personally just it didn't come up much in my train of thought 
But when I read this, that same what you're bringing up now occurred to me. I'm like, wow, I think that's wrong. Like, I think it says in there that every member with a desire has an equal right to be here and an equal part in recovery. Yeah. And if we start picking and choosing, you know, what that part is, then that is not equal. Right. <laughs> right. You know, if we start saying these things, that is not equal. But I took that same thing away and felt the same. It's like, yeah. wow, that is really, that's making someone feel less than. Yeah. Whether that's the intention or not, it really makes someone feel less than. It's like separate but equal schools. Yeah. It's automatically less than, no yeah. matter whether it's intentional or not. There's no equality in separation or in limited roles or, all right, so hey, I'm Jason and I'm a big jerk who has been saying the wrong thing <laughs> in group conscience for years because well, I don't think I believe that. So that exact thinking, what you're talking about now, this realization of yourself, like we learn and grow as we stay in this process and we as the more uh, senior members, I don't know what the fuck you want to call it. You're as, senior. as you've been young. around and, and you continue to work on yourself, you grow and change in beliefs, hopefully for the better. I mean, that's typically the way it works for most people, I think, if they're actively engaged in a spiritual process. That understanding that gives me the ability to be more compassionate and tolerant and understanding of people that I think have bad beliefs now, <laughs> you know what I nope. mean? To recognize like, <laughs> yes, I was there at one point. I felt equally passionate then about that as I do now about the opposite. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> nope. I was there and I am so much more evolved and you should obviously listen to right. me and change now your you just fucking need to listen mind to now. me. Right. Listen to what I say. <laughs> Not what I said, but what I'm saying right now. Yes, because now I obviously <laughs> have it figured out and that will never change again five and ten years from now like it always does. Right. But it's yeah. like for me, that's helpful to understand like, yes, I was the guy that was in meetings saying, <sighs> if you're on maintenance, you don't belong here. You need to go somewhere else. If you're, you know, using, you know, we don't want to hear what you have to say. And the I'm the guy. Cotton out of your <laughs> ears and stick it in your mouth. You know, all that weird shit. And I'm the guy who on paper thinks that should help me. And it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, I have this strong belief that God will like work his magic no matter what the fuck people do. And yet here I am. And still, even saying that I believe we shouldn't limit members sharing, I'm picturing in my head like, Okay, so we take restrictions off. There's these meetings that are majority people who are on maintenance programs. Ultimately, people who are clean just stop going to the meeting altogether. So you have total meetings that are just people on Suboxone holding a meeting. Somebody new comes in, never been introduced to NA. That's the only meeting they ever go to. That's the message they get. Suboxone. And I'm like, I, I think that's what I've been trying to protect against from that ever happening. But now I'm like saying that we shouldn't protect against that. So that will happen one day. Why does that still not feel okay to me? Maybe that's the life-saving message that person needed to hear. Maybe. You know, I don't, I, mean, I don't get to make the judgment. That's, that's exactly what <laughs> right. needed to happen. Right. It's just so weird. I don't know. I mean, I've been me to out. plenty of meetings over the years in different places, different areas. I've heard every tradition broken. I've probably broken most traditions at one form or another. Um, I've said some things like say that now I'm like, ugh, I can't believe I said that. That's so terrible to say, you know, but yet 
that's completely okay for me because I'm abstinent. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's it just it doesn't make rational sense. So, when, but it's justifiable. <laughs> when we re- rewrite our program, it's going to say the only two requirements for membership are desire to stop using and that you've broken every tradition at least once. I think that should be a requirement for membership. Because if not, you're not participating if you don't break tradition. Well, maybe this gets back to what you talked about earlier with there's a there's a program and there's a fellowship. And maybe the, the meetings, that group setting isn't really the program so it's much. It's the, the program is the steps, what I'll say with a sponsor, but definitely working the steps. You know, that's the program. So the meetings are just the fellowship part. And, mm-hmm. you know, people, all kinds of crazy, and I hate to use the word crazy, all kinds of different things are going to happen in meetings that may go against my values and morals and, right. you know, what I think is right. Yeah, fuck them meetings. Yeah. I'm with that. <laughs> fuck them meetings. Work the steps. But there was some important principles that it talked about, spiritual principles that it talked about and that it works how and why. Um, the, the first one of those was tolerance, you know, and this idea of tolerance of others. Um, and it used, you know, the, the saying in there that I took out was judgment is not our task. You know, mm. it's not my job to, to make these judgments on people um, coming into meetings. And then when I can take that and apply it in my life, it takes a lot of the fucking work out of interacting with other human beings, you know? I mean, it's easy to walk into the Walmart in the local town that we live in and see the guy with his Make America Great Again hat and decide who he is right off the bat. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're saying and then I'm better treat off, that guy even that if way. he is that guy that I know he is, I'm still better off not thinking or not acting on it because I'm probably going to think it either way. Well, yes, it's going to be more freeing to you mentally, but also, I mean, for me, does that mean I want to treat him different? Do I want to Mm. go against my morals and values? Because like, so I want to be a person that in my life in general is loving and caring and compassionate and understanding is like a warm, welcoming person, you know, to other people. Um, Does that mean because someone has a different opinion than me that all that goes out the window and now I can be a self-righteous, angry, you know, bitter person to this guy who I don't even know. We haven't even had a conversation, right. but I have already made a decision that I ain't even holding the door for this fucker. You know what I'm so saying? Like? I think I only, I only act on the self-righteousness in my head, hmm. maybe out loud away from them, but I don't one-on-one individually in the world treat people different or have different actions i have a whole lot of different thoughts and attitudes in my head but i don't think any of that comes out towards anyone specifically right well does it in subtle ways so give you an example and and i don't know i'm just saying these are the kinds of ways i think that self-centered trappings in our mind plays out okay so and i'll give myself a nice you know because someone helped me in the same way not too long after that maybe that's karma I was going into one of the big box home stores one day and I come out and I see a man and a woman and they're wheeling out this big vanity and they get to the back of the truck and they're getting ready to pick this thing up. And this was a, you know, smaller, older woman and an older man. And I thought, 
they could probably use a fucking hand getting that into the truck rather mm-hmm. than her trying to lift this thing. So I said, hey, you need a hand? He's like, oh, yeah, thanks, you know, and I gave him a hand. Now, would my reaction to him change if he was wearing a certain kind of hat or if he was a certain color or if he looked a certain way? Or, you know what I mean? Would I, I treat so. him different if he had a rebel flag shirt on, right. you know? like. Mm. Well, I guess I'm asking you, would right. you I, treat him different if you saw that? Or would you want to be the person that says, you know what, those judgments, like I can be free of that judgment and I can just do a kind act for a kind person. And maybe that kind act will be the thing that makes him see like, hmm, maybe, you know, all people aren't jerks. Maybe some people do care. Right. So levels to answering this. I definitely want to be the guy that would just help regardless. Uh, I, I think I am. I think. Now, I think there's an exception to that if I have seen this guy act in a rude way. You know what I mean? Like if I had just seen some really negative interaction he had in the store and then we happened to come out at the same time and then I'm like, yeah, fuck him. I'm not. (laughs) I hope not. I hope I still help him anyway, honestly. But I could see i've seen people or or maybe i overhear something he says and it's really rude or or condescending i mean i don't know i'm at my daughter's soccer game friday night and my daughter was a little rough with one of the girls like it was a foul i mean it got called it was you know she nudged her with her shoulder in the back it wasn't blatant it wasn't terrible it wasn't really offensive the girl fell over it seemed a little acting whatever not a big deal i i don't ever say that's a good thing i tell her i'm like look be physical but be physical in the rules of play like you don't you're not out there to hurt people or or do anything that's a foul but the mother in front of me who wasn't even the mother of the girl that got fouled as the girl who got fouled is like taking the kick because it happened right in front of the the parent watching area said kick her in the face about my daughter (laughs) and i'm like i don't know if walking out of there i would want to help her start her car you know what i mean like that but I would like to think I still would. I, I didn't take a huge offense to it. It's like, whatever. But it just seemed really weird to tell somebody to kick some other girl in the face. Yeah. Over a soccer game. I don't know. But, I, yeah, I'd like to think I would still help her. But I could definitely see me saying, when if I got in my car and it's cold out, and me being like, eh, fuck her. She's just going <laughs> to sit here. Right. She shouldn't have wanted to kick people in the face. I don't know. And I don't know that there's a right or wrong to any of that other than to say when I go home at night and I lay down to go to bed, am I going to be thinking, man, I should have been the bigger person and helped that lady? Or am I okay with it? I mean, again, these are my morals and values that I got to live with. And maybe I'm okay with saying, fuck that lady. She's a bitch. Mm. And she doesn't deserve my help. And maybe that's okay, too. I'm not trying to tell people where they should be specifically. Right. But for me, there is a freedom in just being able to be a kind person and do a kind act and then feel because there is a reward to my spirit. There is a reward to my soul, whatever, that comes with doing a kind act for a person. There's a little. No. Yeah. Notching endorphins in my brain. (laughs) Well, and there's a whole my a lot of my recovery and, and therapy work has been in don't give anybody else that power over me. Like, be who the fuck I am, regardless of who these other people are. Because if not, I'm letting them change me. I'm letting them have a power over me to dictate who I'm going to be in response to them. 
and I don't like that idea. Fuck people having power over me, right? I, I, my ego just doesn't like that concept right. at all. <laughs> right. I'm like, you're not going to affect me at all. Right. I will be zen in the face of your assholeness. I'll be nice to you even though I don't want to, you fucker. Right. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> show you how little power you have over me. I'll help right. rebuild your whole house. <laughs> like, yeah, so um, so I don't know. You feel like we covered that, uh, Tradition 3? Um, yeah. I mean, the only other part I wanted to talk about a little bit was the... Uh, you know, taking these principles and applying them to using addicts outside of NA, mm. I think that's been a, a hard learning lesson for myself. I know over the years it was like as people came into recovery and were looking to help themselves, then you deserved some respect and, you know, oh, you're trying to help yourself. Uh. But I can definitely say I was a person that if you were just using out on the street and you weren't trying to help yourself, well, then you didn't fucking you deserved whatever you got. Yeah. Um and I don't know that I believe that anymore. I think I've learned to take the same compassion that I have for the using addict that comes in and can't get clean or doesn't stay clean or relapses periodically. And that, well, for one, now I have compassion on that person. It used to be a point in time where, like I said, I felt like other people, like, oh, they just don't want it enough. They're not doing enough. There must be something. They did something wrong. <laughs> right. And all those judgments I would place on why it didn't work for them. Um, now I look at it more in a compassionate sense, like, fuck, like I've been there where I really want to do something and I just fucking can't, you know, or for years I've been like, I want to be a person that meditates and I would do it a couple of times and stop and wouldn't do it. And, you know, I know that's a lot different than actively using, but I've been a person that's really felt convicted in wanting to do things and then falling short or not being able to do it. Now I can take compassion in that. I don't believe there's very many. I'm sure there's some, but I don't believe there's very many people that are actively using to the point that it's causing harm to themselves and others that are really happy with their life choices and are happy at where their life is at that moment. I believe most of those people are suffering. Most of them are hurt and Going back to that saying in this tradition, you know, it said uh, the, the, the desire to stop using may be a subtle yearning for relief from pain. And I think for myself, looking at using addicts in that way is more helpful in my general life. I wonder if this is a place where like the, the not really tied to a higher power of a mystical nature affects you in a not so positive way because I guess for me and, and I take this uh, I'm shocking I take this to an extreme I guess I truly believe that I I don't get credit for anything I've done because none of it was my choice or power or will it's kind of where I'm at in life right so where I'm going with this is I have never believed that getting clean or staying clean had anything to do with me I think it was something given to me. It was something that came from outside of me and said, you are not going to use anymore. You are not going to think about using anymore to the point where you're forced to. You are freed from that. It was like a, what people call a blessing, right? It was grace and mercy. It was beyond me. And if that thing at whatever point in time ever said that it was, I was supposed to get high again today, I would. I don't think it's been actively anything I did. Have I done step work and therapy and other things to try to make myself healthier yes 
but where does the drive and the energy to do that come from? Again, I don't believe me. I think something gives that to me, right? So I know that sounds extreme that like I'm, I, I've done nothing basically as far as I'm concerned to an extent, but that understanding of I didn't do anything to get here has had me feel compassionate about the people who aren't here since I've been here. It's like, I didn't do anything to get this. I would be right where you are if it wasn't for whatever the fuck happened that made me supposed to not be there. So I don't know that I disagree, but I also don't see how that's very helpful. And well, the reason I say that, well, let me give you an example yeah. and then I'll let you uh-huh. answer. Let's say we have a guy that, and I'm sure we all know this guy, I know a couple of them that you know, their life falls apart, they get clean, they go like, oh man, I'm going to come in, I'm going to do everything different this time, and then they do the same thing they always do, which is come in, they get a few Mm -hmm. months clean, they get a job, they get in a relationship, they get a girlfriend, and then all the recovery shit goes out the window, and they're, you know, shacked up with their girlfriend, six months, they're in an apartment, whatever, stop going to meetings, stop doing what they need to do, and they use. Right. And they've done that three, four, seven times, and you just see it all the time. Mm -hmm. Is it helpful to just be like, that's God's will for that person or to be able to say to that person, hey, look, you keep making this same choice. You keep going down this same path and that is not working for you. You really should try a different path. (laughs) Like, Well, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree in pointing out patterns. Like I think awareness of patterns is helpful to some extent. I don't think awareness of patterns allows me to just break them without this other power acting in my life that says it's time to break them. I think it's part of the process. Like at some point in time in my process to breaking habits and patterns, I become aware of them. Like that does have to eventually be a part of that process. Um, I I don't, I I guess where it helped is just the compassion. Yeah. It was never when they went back out or, or relapsed again or did the same thing. It was never, ah, fuck them. They just keep making the same dumbass right. decisions. It was always, I know what it's like to not be able to get out of that pattern. Like, And I don't think there's anything I did to earn or deserve getting out of that pattern. It just happened. Mm. Yeah, and for me, I guess there's always been that part that's pretty, I don't know, judgy on one you know, I think there's almost a, I hate to say jealousy, but yeah, I would like to fucking use. If I didn't think it was going to destroy my life, the being high part is fucking great. <laughs> like, like, I really like, it's just like we joke about, you know, the the marijuana right. and a doctor telling me I could be on maintenance or whatever. Like, I love that feeling. I love that part. But the consequences are what motivate me to change, you know, the consequences for me. So I guess there's always been a slight bit of jealousy for the people that, I just hate to say the people that relapse, but people that use or, you know, can go out and do that. I think I think now the consequence, the biggest consequence to using, I'm sure some other ones would follow if I continue to use, you know, doing terrible things to the people I love. But the immediate consequence of not being able to think I'm so superior. <laughs> To everyone else. <laughs> Fuck, right. I got high and now I'm not better than everyone. Right. That would crush me. Uh, that would really crush me. But now, I think I've just become more compassionate of people, like you said, understanding that, you know, we aren't all blessed with the same opportunities. We aren't all given the same set of tools. We aren't, don't we don't all have high. the same set of circumstances. I mm-hmm. joke about it, but I really don't know if I want to get high. It kind of yeah. scares me a little bit. I, I do want to do psychedelics. 
Yeah. Not gonna lie. In fact, I'm taking like therapy trainings, and they're talking about the use of MDMA and therapy and shit. And I'm like, I need that kind of therapy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would help me for sure. Yeah. Like I, I don't know that though. All right. So uh, just a, a couple quick things to catch up. I haven't had a chance to catch up on these for a while. So Sarah, who you unfortunately did not get the chance to meet, she did the episode while you were on vacation. Um, but she had a, uh, a definition of belief that she had come across that really helped her. And I think this was in response to our episode about is God real or whatever. Mm. I don't even remember what the hell it's called at this point. Um, so she said... The, the definition she found on Wiki, apparently, was a mental representation of an attitude positively oriented towards the likelihood of something being true. There's a lot in there. Yeah, hey, I was like, in. wow, that's a lot of work. Right. A mental representation of an attitude positively oriented towards the likelihood of something being true. Right, I know. It's still, I know. I read it, and I got the words in front of me. I'm still like, what? But she said basically that it, it, it was so vague and so like, it almost seemed like the idea of belief in God was just like the idea of believing it's possible, basically. Right. Just the belief that like, you know what? I'll just live in a state of it might be possible. Oh. And like that was enough to be belief in itself. And that allowed her for a long time when she wasn't sure to kind of just toe the line and be comfortable there. Huh, and yeah. I thought that was an interesting concept, just the idea that, eh, it may be. And that's probably closer to where I'm at than being, like, a total atheist. Like, I, I'm probably more there, like, I don't know, that could be true, too. I don't fucking know. I'm too stupid to figure it all out. <laughs> yeah. I'm too smart to figure it out, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I, and I don't know anything for sure, either. I mean, I have my idea of what I do believe, and it, and it works well for me, and I'm comfortable in it. But, I mean, like, when we die, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? It is beautiful and wordy, though. I should copy that down and spout it out every now and again. You should. Uh, people will be baffled <laughs> by it. Like, oh, wow. You just say it once and then roll on, and right. then by the time they won't be able to process what all that but means. But yeah, so if you're uncomfortable in belief right now, just maybe like maybe like Sarah points out, just the idea of maybe, right? Mm -hmm. Just live in that, that open positivity of maybe. Huh, who knows? And you might feel better. Oh. And so one other thing I definitely had to bring up, we got a message from Allie on Facebook. She says, hey guys, I just listened to your episode about the existence of God. That must have been a good one. People like that. And I really liked it. I've always believed in a higher power, but I don't always feel much of a connection to that power. So I was curious to hear both your perspectives. After listening, I've come to the conclusion that I still believe in that power regardless. I pretty much 100% agree with everything Jason said. <laughs> finally. Yes. Finally, someone agreed with me. But she did go on to say, even though I often feel like Billy. <laughs> like, yeah, well, whatever. I'll take what I can get. Somebody yeah. mentioned something I said. She said, thanks for the episode. So that was really nice. Thank you, Allie. I hope you're still enjoying and getting something out of it. And mm -hmm. thank you so much for finally validating me. Yes. When all the mail always validates <laughs> Billy. And that's all I got for this week. You got anything? No. Awesome. I'm good. Everybody have a nice week. Uh, go practice tradition three somewhere in your life. Be kind to people and be free to not be judgmental. Mm -hmm. Just free to just assist and be nice to everyone. Be your authentic self. Ooh. Um. <laughs> All right. Have a good week. Share this podcast with people in your life who might enjoy it. Check out recoverysortof.com to find our episodes and link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're always looking for new and interesting ideas for topics, sort of. If you have any ideas for episodes or think you have something to come on and talk about, reach out to us. <laughs>